Okay, welcome to Podcast 26 with Kevin Brown. And today we're going to be talking about how to finish out your paint. Now, a lot of you have emailed me about uh, particular issues on making the paint come back after you compound it. And there's still these little swirls in there. I can't get it out. I've been using this pad, that pad. So obviously, uh, the guru of all gurus, Kevin Brown from buffdaddy.com, is here to chat about that, amongst lots of other things. How are you, Kevin Brown? I am doing well, and I am really excited to be on another podcast with oh, you. Oh, yes. You, I, man, if we went back, I, I don't even know. I should, probably should have known that by now. But what do we have? At least, at least five or six or seven podcasts together. Everything from Mobile Tech Expo to the, you know, you know Air Force One bit there. And gosh, I can't even think. NXT, the list goes on and on. Uh, yeah, I could do these every week with you. I really enjoy it. So, <laughs> um, All right, so... This topic, the podcast today is about finishing. And, um, you know, it's funny when I'm, you know, at the car shows or at SEMA or whatever, people come up and say, oh, you're, you know, the guy from YouTube or, and, oh, cool. And half the people come up and say, you know, I listened to your podcast. I never thought it would be as, uh, as, as helpful as it is, but I guess people are listening to it while they're detailing, which is probably a good idea. Keep your hands moving, keep your brain thinking, and, uh, you know, pour some good stuff in there. And today, obviously, finishing is a huge deal. I don't think we've ever really focused on it. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about, or a lot about that, but beforehand, um, I know you guys have been asking me, and I guess I'm going to answer you via podcast instead of email, the training program. If I get another email about training, <laughs> I, I yeah. now get to the point where I just go, Kevin Brown, and I just forward it off. <laughs> just, NXT, just call him. So what? tell me a little bit about what's going on uh, to get these guys fired up about uh, NXT this year. It is. It is a huge event. There's actually two events this year. We've been wanting for years to get to the East Coast or you know, close to the East Coast, and we've been able to do that finally. And that's one of the reasons we decided to wait a little longer to announce officially the West Coast dates, which are you know June 25th through June 28th. I wanted to announce the East Coast, but I couldn't do that until we were 100% sure we had the venue and the guys, you know, the capability to do it. Didn't want to get a you know, a lot of people signed up and then announced um, you know, a month later, like, oh, by the way, we're doing an East Coast event because a lot of those people would have been coming from the East to the mm. West. So we're doing a, the, the West Coast event in June and we'll do the East Coast event in September. Very cool. And where's the, se where's the September one? The September one is in Maryland, in Moncton, Maryland. Nice. Which, uh, you know, it's not, I, I would have never thought we would have went so far Northeast. However, the venue is fantastic, and I, I'm not at liberty to discuss much about that now because I really don't know a lot about it. However, we have uh, you know a fantastic uh, person going to be helping us with the West Coast event and the East Coast. In, in the guy's name is Rod Kraft. He has been working with McGuire's for many years, and he to me was the East Coast version of Jason Rose when they were both reps. He's fantastic. There is no one like Jason Rose. Uh, I agree. Blasphemy. I agree. <laughs> but you know, he's he he's of that caliber. He's fantastic. So he was able to help us and he kept, you know, saying, Hey, when are you coming out? I can do we can do this. And so finally we we said, let's give it a shot and it worked out. So it's a really exciting and I'm looking forward to it. It is uh, you know, 20 seats per day per, you know, per event. So I've never had to write down the names of you know, hopefully 160 guys and help them you know, guide them through how to get to NXT and the airports and all that. So it, it's a big undertaking for me as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to focus primarily on West Coast 
and then you know work the east coast in as I get caught up on the west coast full? But right now. N- no, it's not full, and I don't even have official numbers right now. I've just got all of the requests, and they're getting handled in chronological order, which go back to last year's NXT. So I've got to say, okay, I'm going through my notes right now through Facebook, text message, voicemails, emails, and laying that list out so I can be completely fair because, you know, a guy wants to come out and he's spending a lot of money and a lot of time. I mean, the class is an expense, but so is the travel and being away from work. So I want to be as fair as I can. And and, and that's what I'm working through right now. So because uh, we had a little later official announcement because of this East Coast deal. I'm really under the gun, so this is the week I'm going to do my best to get all that in order. Yeah, uh, I think, no, no, I don't think. I'll be out there for sure. On the 25th, uh, right now I'm scheduled, and I'm pretty excited about this. I'm on the track at Lime Rock, uh, but we're filming like a whole thing on the, the 23rd to 24th, 25th is my last day, uh, so it's a whole long thing. And then once I'm done, with, you know, I finish at 5 o'clock or whenever the you know, track closes, uh, I'm going to take the red eye out, so I'll be there on the 26th. If you guys are interested, I will absolutely be there supporting and yes. doing fun stuff with the, with the team for sure. You know, part of the reason that this NXT uh, has grown so much is you. You know, your coverage of it, and of course you bring your fan base, which is massive. So I have to thank you for that, and I'm sure Rose thanks you and, and McGuire's. It's just a neat... It's a neat deal how, you know, you and and this came together. It's just it's, it just shows that uh, regardless of your company or your detail or you sell product or whatever, the passion for what we do, you know, it brings us together. And, and, and in my case, it's really beneficial to me. So thank you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, hopefully, we bring something to the table for you as no, well. That's and I fun. Think- it's uh, it you know, it kind of exercises that uh, if you think you know everything about detailing, you don't kind of bone. You know, I every time I go there, you see me and Jason makes fun of me all the time because I, I take notes and I take notes. I just I have to write it down for me to understand it. So I just have like briefcase full of notes, um, and it helps kind of trigger things that I didn't think about in the past, and you know all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that, I'm getting a lot of use that way. Cause at the end of the day, I'm still, you know, detailing. So it's uh super helpful. And speaking of Jason Rose this morning. Okay. So yesterday uh, we had a, a family baptism. My godchild is a, just amazing event. So, um, you know, we baptized her or whatever. And my mom was in town and I haven't seen her in a while. And she's going back up uh, to Lake George and I wanted to make sure she got there. So this morning I texted my mother. So I thought, and said, I hope you got there. It was great seeing you. You know, have a fun time and be safe. Lo- love you. <laughs> and I ended, up, I ended up sending that to Jason Rose. And Jason Rose is like, what the hell are you talking about right now? He's like, well, I'm I'm in, I don't know where he is, in Dubai or something like that. And I'm glad that you miss me and <laughs> all this kind of stuff. I was like. Sure. He's probably thinking, I'm really glad you brought this up because I've been meaning to tell you the same kind of thing. But I've been scared. Yeah, yeah no doubt about <laughs> oh, I'm it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to send that to you, Jason. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Um, you know, the irony right now, I'm looking down, I have like security cameras or whatever. I'm looking down and, uh, my buddy, Dan Mealy, you remember Dan, right? Yeah. He's standing at my door with microfiber towels. It's if you could, if you guys could see this right now, you would laugh your butt off. Well, he's going to be, uh, coming to NXT probably East coast because I going to use him as my backup there. He, he was fantastic helping us with the F40 video, and so I definitely want to, hope, hopefully he can attend that, but that, that'll be exciting for yeah, him. Yeah, absolutely. So what I need to do right now is 
pause for one second so I can open the door okay. for this knucklehead. Okay. All right, hang yeah. on a second. All right, so yeah, we're back now. Sorry about that, guys. We uh, Dan just dropped off a bunch of microfiber towels. I'm doing a video tomorrow about how to wash microfiber towels properly. And I want to show... <laughs> yeah, I know. And I, I called him up and I'm like, hey, dude, do you have any like um, crappy microfiber towels? And he's like, what? And I was like, well, you know the ones that are too plush? Like anything that's over 400 GSM, you know the ones that are like... I don't even know. The, the, the hair on them is like an inch long. And you can't yeah, really do right. anything with them. You can't like remove wax or whatever. So I'm trying to do a video and I needed a towel, which I don't have because I don't think they're very good. Um, use as an example of what not to do. So anyways, he's dropping those off. So keep an eye out for how to wash microfiber towels. Uh, video coming out soon. Anyhow, back into NXT. Uh, yeah, we're all set up. What else? Any other points you can uh, you think you want to talk about? about NXT I think it's going to be uh, you know followed on on my Facebook page that's the only place I'm actually um putting up information that that's new I'm not on any forums doing it so but it's shared it's shared quite a few places so I should have said that the official dates are June 25th through June 28th for the West Coast event in Irvine and and the East Coast event September 24th through September 27th in Moncton, Maryland. And those are all one day complete classes. I was ask that. So, that, so people, okay, I can only do one day and that's okay. You don't have to like sign up for the whole block or whatever. That's right. So as an example, Thursday, June 25th is a standard NXT class. That's a one full day complete class. The next day would be an advanced class, which you can only attend if you have already attended a standard class. Sense. Each class is a separate fee. And so, um, yeah, and then it repeats again on the next two right, days. They can email and, you for how much it costs and all that stuff. I mean, you're welcome to yeah. say it now, but I, I'm not putting you on the spot. No, no, it's fine. It's it's, it's very it's different on East and West because of the expense for me to get out there and ship things and whatnot. But yeah, all the information can be got by Facebook or text message or email. You know, the usual. Got you. All right, let's let's hop into the uh, the, the meat and potatoes for today. Now, finishing off uh, paint, you are. Widely considered, and more importantly, I consider you the expert in, in polishing and certainly finishing. Now, I'm going to set the stage, and it's going to be very broad uh, because, you know, every car is different, etc. But I'll give you the broad question that I get from most people, and I'm sure you can handle it. And the question goes, all right, so I have black paint, and I'm not really sure if it's hard or soft. I'm kind of like, you know, sort of new to detailing, but, you know, I watch your videos and that kind of thing. So I'm, polish, I'm compounding the paint. And I'm using a microfiber cutting pad, and it actually removes all the scratches really well. And then what's what I'm left with is a little bit of a, you know, a little white haze. It you know haze. It's but all the bigger scratches, uh, and there's some you know random isolated deep scratches, rids that are still there. But I'm okay with that. And now I want to go to polish it. And when I go to polish it, uh, I can't seem to get the white marks out or the the very little tiny. I can get a lot of it out, but if you look closely with the light. You'll see tiny little circles or uh, it's just not perfect. So, Larry, what do I do? And I go, uh, call Kevin Brown. So, you know, no, I, I try to give him uh, an answer, but it's never the same as yours. So I sort of set the stage. And that is, a, again, um, I'm using kind of a, a very large example because each car is very different. But uh, how would you respond to something like that? Like what's going on? Well, I first would say that, you know, my 
procedures aren't the only way that you can dial in paint to you know near perfection. It's just that I'm on the cutting edge because I talk to so many guys and they're working on all sorts of paint types and using all sorts of machines and pads and liquids. So, and I talk about this almost every day. Therefore, I'm, you know, I'm very interested in it and up to date and try different procedures and find out what, what works and what doesn't. Trial and error, just lots of trial and error. So I've become you know, pretty good at um, troubleshooting over the phone. And um, in the old older days, when we were all working on single-stage paint, this wasn't as big of a deal because, as an example, if you had a black paint job and there was you know, haziness or very fine scratching left over from the polishing or the pad, you know, it was... It, instead of it was black, it was still black. It was just flat, dull black. It just, it just didn't show up as much as base coat, clear coat black that scratches white. So it just had become, you know, when base coat, clear coat became more popular, it really became noticeable. And as times moved on and paint systems have changed, some are very prone to the hazing depending on the compound or the polish or the procedure or the pad. And so this has become the number one most, you know. Uh, problematic uh, thing in in terms of paint polishing. It's not the cutting. You know, a lot. Some once in a while, you get the cutting. Like I can't cut this paint. It's the hardest thing I've ever seen. You know, no matter what I do, it's like, hey, double or triple up the compound. I'm like, oh, that worked. Great. What about the finishing? It always comes down to that. That that even some of the best guys in the country are having problems with. So, what we're doing now is taking a minimalistic approach, uh, trying to not bite into the paint, and and just from thinking things through, you'd say, well, if I use a lot of polish, I've got a lot more abrasive in, in play if it happens to be an abrasive polish, uh, and most of them are. There's very few that are not, but um, I've, I've learned a lot myself by doing this, and so it's gone to an extreme point to, to the point that we're using almost no polish for these very problematic paints. Now, this, this, late, this latest variation of this you know, it's been around for a little while now, but basically 12 drops of Meguiar's Ultra Finishing Polish M205 into a quart of water. And it's a mind blower. It's like, what, what are you thinking? You know, we don't polish with water. Nobody ever polishes with water. And in fact, if you look at some of my old articles, the last thing I said to ever do was use water because I was of the mindset like, hey, don't use water. You're going to rinse away the polishing oils, the things that help resist scouring that you know don't be a fool <laughs> and now what am i doing like oh that yeah i've changed my mind completely now don't use almost any polish use mostly water so it, you know things have changed rapidly um, partly because i'm paying a lot more attention to it at least for me and so, the paints have changed significantly <laughs> since probably that article came out as well oh yeah it, it's hard to keep up and that's the thing is you know you don't expect to learn each paint type or what polish to use and you can't even if you call a guy and say hey Bill well, what did you use on that Subaru that you finished out so well and he could tell you exactly what he used and it's just not going to replicate either because it's not truly the same exact paint or he used a little more polish more pressure different machine different pad diameter there's too many variables to be able to say here's what I did you know and, and replicate it however we are doing that in this procedure to a degree but it's one of the things that we can control. I, you know, when you're using almost no polish, hey, you can double it up and it's not a big deal. You know, when you've got like 32 ounces of water and 12 drops of polish in it, uh, if I, if you miss it by a few drops, 
it's still not going to be a huge impact compared to saying, hey, I'm using three pea-sized drops or, well, you know, what size is a pea-sized drop? I mean, it's getting really critical. This is a very critical procedure, and it's not the go-to. You shouldn't automatically start doing this procedure. It doesn't always work out that easily. It can be, you know, it can, it can splatter. It's, it's just not, the, it's not where you start. You start where, you, where we always have been by the recommendations on the bottle. And then if that doesn't work, then we make some adjustments, less or more, you know, different pad, different speeds, things like that. But this is the extreme where you have tried everything and it's not working. And the guy calls me and I have to start at a baseline at some point. So we start essentially at almost nothing, 12 drops of 205 into a quart of water. And that's another thing I want to talk about, um, not to get too sidetracked, but in our videos, Larry, or in our discussions, we've always talked about the importance of seasoning or priming the pad. The one thing that we've never done, or I've, I've failed to do, to show the importance of is, is even when I do priming of something like a, a finishing pad, a foam finishing pad, and ultra finishing polish, I'll still prime the face, but there are most of the time I'm removing a lot of that polish. We don't ever seem to show that or discuss it, but I will fully prime the pad so that I know it's got a good dose of 205 throughout the face of the pad. And then I'll proceed to take a clean microfiber towel, place that pad against it, run the machine for 10 or 15 seconds, and remove 80 or 90% of it uh, with the intent of eliminating a lot of uh, goop, the lotion, the the component that stores and retains debris or paint residue, mm. right? So, so what we're doing is we're applying, we're removing, and the hope is to have an extremely consistently applied uh, polish across the surface. Even if it's a micro-thin layer, we still want consistency. So that goes all the way from using it, you know, priming the pad and then using what's there all the way down to priming the pad with the 205 and water mix, meaning just saturate the face of the pad. Regardless, it's never one mist in the middle or you know a couple mist along the edge. I always consistently apply, whether it's you know polish right out of the bottle or the, or the water slash 205 uh, concoction, right? So that's really important to have a consistently ap applied polish regardless the dilution. All right, so the guy who's listening now, he's saying to himself, okay, all right, Larry and Kevin are talking about finishing. All right, so I'm going to keep this in the back of my mind. You know, the cars that I've worked on, for some reason, they, they, they come out and, you know, I'll use, you know, whatever compound I'm comfortable with and whatever polish, and then the paint looks perfect, and I go on to seal it and protect it or whatever. But going down the road, I know that when that, when that happens, I'm going to need to use this, this weird trick that they're talking about. Can you sort of explain maybe the different scenarios? Like, here, here are five different options, because I know... Sometimes, I think in the past, and maybe I'm wrong, but sometimes you would tell me, hey, just put way too much product. Put like just goop on 205. And sometimes you'd say, okay, okay, that didn't work. Uh, you know, get a completely, uh, you know, clean, you know, not full of product and then spray this, this 205 uh, water mixture on there. So there's, I know there's a couple of different uh, options and I, I just want that, the people listening to yeah. have a little bit of a Rolodex. Like, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll try this and see how it goes. And if it doesn't work, I'll check that off the list, and then we'll go down to the next sort of example. You get what I'm saying, just so people. Yeah, can... I will. And so let's use 205 because that is one of the most versatile polishes, depending on the pad and the machine and, and you know uh, the procedure 
out there. And, and, and I think there is some confusion because around the same time as this water polishing trick, we were doing this mass loading of microfiber discs with 205 to, to replace or, or an exchange of a compound. So let's start with how do we maximize the cut of a polish in general? Um, and we're going to use 205, which is, it does have abrasive, but it's not its strong point. It, it's not a heavily loaded abrasive. It's a finishing polish. It was the finest finishing polish McGuire's made up until sometime around last year when they came out with their D302 um, uh, polish, which is 100% non-abrasive. So until that time, this was the guy. This was the guy. You wanted the, the least abrasive polish in the line of McGuire's. This is what you used. So it's a very fluid very liquid, um, it's lotion-like product. It doesn't have a lot of abrasive, so it's not that dry. It spreads, you know, it spreads tremendously well. And if you use too much, you could even, you know, get a little bit of splatter from it. So it, it, it stays fluid as you use it. And in the in the case of microfiber, I always re- I would recommend uh, if a guy was having problems cutting out uh, on you know quote hard paint, or they tried everything else, they tried M105. M101, M100, all these, you know, world-class Meguiar's compounds. And I use Meguiar's again because, you know, most people that know me know I'm pretty heavily associated with them and I've grown up using it. And it's it's worldwide, you know, you can buy this stuff just about everywhere. So, um, but there's times when you just can't get an extended period of cut. It's partly because it's cutting so rapidly and loading the pad and Bearing the abrasive, make it, you know, sticking it to the pad, and it can't move around. So your cut, your window of cut is is shortened. So there was a couple of extreme cases where these guys, two two pretty noteworthy and and, and capable guys, could not get the defects out. One was a Chevy truck, one was a Tesla, and they had run the gamut, even sanding with three thousand, and then wool in one hundred one, you know, all the way to that degree of cut. Now. That will cut glass. I mean, if you can't cut a scratch defect with that, then we have to look at what's happening. Something's not right. That would normally work really well. And so what the conclusion was is that we're using super micro abrasives, basically tiny abrasives, very hard particulate, very very durable, very consistently sized, but small. And when they grip onto something like wool or microfiber, they don't move around very much. And, And they sit there and slide cut away paint and then the paint buries them in place and now we've lost our cut so you know what we'd normally recommend is to say well let's add more compound let's try to keep that fluid so that there's more abrasives rolling around and maybe they'll knock each other off the pad and maybe they'll get you know redistributed and you know the debris will crush and, and free up the abrasive well still some paints as an example something extremely scratched up as in hey I let my mom borrow my Tesla she thought it'd be nice to remove the bugs off the front, so she scotch brighted it with her, you know, with her 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 dishwashing green scotch yeah, brite. Wouldn't be the first time I've heard that. Right, and she decided it was so great that she just did the whole car with it. Now you can imagine the quantity of scratches and how rapidly something like 101 and a wool pad would knock off the tips of those scratches as it buffed and become loaded and stuck in place. That was one example that actually was was true. So in that case, we said, okay, look. We know we can get cut. We know that's not the hardest pain in the world. Um, so let's go a different approach. Let's take the microfiber and use all those strings that are you know, normally populating a microfiber disc, and let's load that with something really fluid, 
know, 205. Let's put a bunch on there, you know, a lot. So, so we would recommend saturate the face, prime the face, you know, season the face with 205, lots of it, way more than you normally would. And you're going to run a slow speed so it doesn't splatter everywhere. But imagine, imagine having, uh, look, at your, look at your hand and open up and look at your fingers. Now imagine those are, the fingers are the microfiber strings. And then in there, we were to place a liquid, a, a lotion or a gel, something thick that would take a lot of effort for you to squeeze your hand and squeeze that lotion or gel before they would touch each other. That's the premise, is to use enough 205 so the strings can stay separate and suspended in the 205 so they can drag across the paint and, and cut away because the microfiber itself can cut, definitely. They, they have tremendous cutting ability because there's so many of them, right? So that was the idea is to load this up so the strings stay uh, you know, separated and we've got a quantity of microfiber dragging across the paint. And of course, it's going to be moving around the 205. It has abrasive in it. It's going to cut. And that's what we did. And it worked tremendously well. So there are situations now where this is a go-to for some guys. It's become such a simple procedure. Uh, you run low speed, not a lot of drama. You know, it's not dusty. You don't overdo it. The temperature's low. And it's become a favorite of some guys out there. It's not, and I never recommended that you replace compounds. You don't start with that every time. But there's just some guys that have become accustomed to it and really like it. So that was out there. And then at the same time, we've been dealing with this problem with finishing paints. And we came up, or I, or I came up, I always say we because I always think I learn things from reading and watching and talking to people. So it's, I never can take credit for everything. I don't even name my own procedures. You know, I, I wouldn't be able to do all this if I didn't have access to some of the brain power out there and the people having the, the problems that have tried this, that, and that. So anyway, you know, the extreme of this is what we came up with, which was the, the water and 12 drops of 205 uh, polish. So Now, that first part that you were talking about, that was with a microfiber cutting pad. You were talking about cutting, like a Tesla, for example, in, in that one that you used there. That guy was using 205 with a microfiber cutting pad to do the cutting part to the compound? Yeah. In this case, they're using finishing discs because the Meguiar's finishing discs, uh, they use a shorter pile of microfiber string so they're they're not so apt to lay down like a wool string would there's a lot more density you know there's more population there so they can't not only is there, are they shorter but they're denser so they're not going to be able to lean you know to, to the side and flatten out as much plus they have more cushioning in them they're comfortable to use and on a large stroke machine like a you know rupes lhr 21 uh, it's just it's a little more comfortable got it to, yeah it, you're not losing a lot in the case of a large stroke machine by going to the finishing disc versus the cutting. Would you need to finish after that particular cutting method? Definitely. You definitely need to finish. You know, some guys don't think they need to, um, and they're surprised, like, hey, I did this microfiber 205, and it cut all the defects, but it looks a little hazy. Well, you can imagine how much paint residue is in there, and that's what's causing the hazy, because generally speaking, a microfiber by itself will not cause hazing until the strings tie together or bind together. The 205 will not cause it by itself until it's debris-laden or with paint right, residue. So what would you do to finish that one? So now it looks, you know, 90% better, but you still have those swirls and, you know, whatever whatever you want to call it. What's the next step? Because if you're, if you're already at 205 with a finishing disc, you know, where do you go from there? Well, the next step is before you move on to 
your mindset being the polishing step, you need to refine that as much as possible and you and still be in the compounding category. You know, I read a lot and I've done it myself for years and I tout things and people say, Hey, I'm gonna do a three step polish for you. This is a two step, you know, three steps more money. Well, it's becoming a grayed out area now, like, hey, you could use five steps. I don't care. Which one nets me the quickest time? You know, because there's times where you could use a microfiber finishing disc for the heavy cut, do that section, pull that off, switch to a clean microfiber finishing disc for a light cut, pull that off, switch to foam with 205 to finish. And that's three steps. But you probably could do all that faster than one one step. And you know what I mean? So it's I, I don't want people to keep thinking about how many steps is it going to take. Start thinking how much time is this going to take, regardless of of how many pads I use, because you know with, with the the ability of these compounds and microfiber, the rate of cut is so incredible now that you almost have to think that way. Like, hey, I am fat. I am better off having an arsenal of pads that I pull off and switch rather than sit there and blow it out all over my garage and clean it out and then reprime and all that. So, I think that. The procedures are changing partly because of, you know, the abilities of our discs, our compounds, our polishes, understanding procedures better. And I think that categorizing in how many steps is it going to take? Because I could say, well, I could do that in one step. Well, count your one step. What does that mean? Well, I take a microfiber finishing disc, like you said, to mass load it with 205, buff my section. Then when I'm all done, blow it out completely. And then I don't use it, you know, I use one drop and I buff again and then I blow that out, wipe the paint and then I missed water and I do it again. So that's technically one pad, but you did three procedures. So I, I'm just saying for guys to learn to not, you know, to go away from the, how many steps and, and, and instead think what's the most efficient way to do this in terms of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. That's uh that's one of the things uh, I think I was talking about in one of the last videos I was doing, you know, and, and oh, I haven't posted it yet. That's why it doesn't make any sense um, about how to judge the amount of time it takes to do a detail. Um, and this particular aspect of, of the video was, um, and this is a little bit off, to off topic here, but I looked at this, I was doing this 993 um, cab and I looked at, it was blue and I looked at the paint and it happened to be a cloudy day, kind of rainy-ish, but not really raining, you know, that kind of day. And I, it was outside, and I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, not too bad. But I, I don't corner myself. This was more focused on uh, pricing and time, and that's, you know, it's a correlation how much time it takes versus the price, at least for me. Um, and when I pulled it inside and put the lights on it, I mean, it was like a night and day car. And it, that's just uh, my point of saying all this stuff is these are the things that you need to factor in that I don't think a lot of younger detailers realize as to how to become successful. I, I think the success isn't necessarily when they see you or I or whatever, uh, you know, doing an F40. Yes. Okay. We, you know, we've been doing it for X amount of years. You, you know, that's going to, it's going to come with time, but it's really about doing, being profitable, uh, you know, on, on the, on the civic and profitable on the F40. And I think it really does come down to, uh, managing one's time. That that's the difference. A lot of guys call me, Oh, I spent 12 hours on a car and I'm thinking to myself, well, I would imagine Kevin or I or Jay or whoever would probably would have done it in two and a half hours for the same, you know what I'm saying? So um, these little tips and tricks that you're giving them are, are quite frankly, are, are making these, these younger detailers stay in business longer and, and get better and better. So that's, uh, that's one of the things I'm hearing. So 
Yeah, and then if you quote by time, you know, I mean, you know, customers are going to generally try to figure out, well, what is that per hour? But you know, they don't always do that. And if you say, look, I'm well in this detail, I allot three hours of polish time. Okay, so I'm going to do the best I absolutely can with three hours of polishing time. Customers are going to be fine with that. Yeah, and and to reiterate, I personally, I never do that. Like I do, like I don't not, I don't, I don't say like it, it costs. X amount of dollars per hour. I just look at the car. I do the math in my head, and I know, I know what my base charge is. You know, I, I only charge a minimum of blah 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 to do a car, and then I know that hey, sometimes it's gonna it's gonna run a little bit longer than not. And I think that little gap of separation between whether I can do the car in two hours or five hours is whether it could be super profitable or profitable or not profitable, and managing that that time uh, I think is, is I, I have to word this better, but managing that time is I think what makes uh, you be able to stay in this business. Cause if you miscalculate all the time uh, you know, you're going to be out of business really fast in my opinion. Right. And if you're doing a complete outside detail or an inside outside detail and you, and you let the customer know there'll be three hours of time in this detail allotted to just paint correction, that doesn't give them enough information to even, think they could figure out the price or detail, so don't worry about it. But that way you can say, hey, customer, take a look at what three hours has done. I think if I could spend another hour or two, I could really make it perfect. Or look at what it's done, and, I, and it's not enough time to perfect it to the level I want. What would you like me to do? Yes, yes. We talked about that at uh, one of the M MTE, Mobile Tech Expo things. Like, if a guy's not paying you for a 100-point car, you're out of your skull. To, to sit there for five hours, ten hours, a hundred hours, and work on the car, unless you're getting paid for it. I, you know, I don't know how to say that any nicer than than that. But uh, w drawing back to what you're saying, when you figure out when the time it takes you to figure out the car uh, becomes shorter and shorter because you become uh, more educated and, and, and experienced, that's when things start to take off. So when I when I'm sort of talking to younger guys or whatever. Um, I feel like you spend your time figuring out how to how to do how to complete uh you know take the car from wherever the customer wants it to where you're getting paid to do it but do that in the shortest amount of time and I think that's what comes with with practice and having all these tools so what I'm hearing a lot is they do a car let's in this example that Tesla or whatever and they couldn't figure it out and they couldn't figure it out and they couldn't then the hours go by and then their money goes out the window I I see a lot of that so um, I mean, I'm I'm hoping this this adds another tool to the arsenal of of how to finish a car. Yeah, and and I just have to reiterate that this is not the end all be all to polishing. You know, you can't rely on this water polishing trick to to work every time, and nor should you. You should not even attempt it unless you're having an issue. Why would you waste the time to do one slow speed water watered down pass at a time? and check the work because when you're talking to me and I'm teaching you this it's it's literally hey do a one single one way pass call me back tell me what you see you know it, it's to get it's 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 a way to get to the end and, and sometimes they see nothing or it gets worse well usually when it gets worse we have the wrong pad or the wrong speed or the water and the pad is cleaning away what was hidden and, and so then if nothing happens I can say hey okay clean the pad and do another pass and we just keep crawling on it. And then when we see something positive, it's like it is cutting, but it's going really slow. Perfect. Clean the pad, 
Remist it with the concoction of 205 and water, except this time, before you start polishing, put the tiniest little droplet of 205 right on the panel, set the pad on it, and go. Well, one tiny droplet, we've just you know, immensely increased the amount of 205 in play. And that's when you say, oh, wow, it's working. Boom. So we're crawling up on it rather than backing down in this procedure. Um, but again, this is an alternative polishing procedure. Now, when you're, when you're is, using the polish, I mean, when you're polishing pad, are you, are you typically using, I mean, back, I don't even know when it was, two years ago or something, I called you on a Mercedes that was like, I wanted to throw it through the wall. I was driving me crazy. I couldn't get this thing. And I was one of your guys that called you and you got me with a, uh, a Rupes yellow pad because of the stiffness mm -hmm. of it. And then that, uh, you know, that concoction back I think you were still even figuring it out at that point. I don't know. I was maybe one of your. I was. I was using tapping fluids that were, you know, water soluble tapping fluids that are made for CNC machines that flush away debris. That's what they do, you know. And we're doing the same thing with this procedure. The goal of the procedure is, uh, well, first, why don't we just use water? Well, it's real simple. Paint's not water soluble. You know, the the pads themselves can cut. You could take water, and an intermediate foam pad, you know, a yellow Rupes, a, a, a Meguiar's Maroon, you know, take your choice. And you can remove paint for a little while, and then it starts to scour because the paint that you're removing eventually attaches to the pad and locks onto it. And now, technically speaking, you have a foam pad that has glazed over paint on it, and you're scrubbing paint that you're trying to polish with more paint. It doesn't work no. out. So that's when I had to decide, well, how, you know, how am I going to keep that at bay? I need to keep that residue from glazing over the foam. I can't just do 20 seconds of buffing and then move on to another pad. And so this is where I started playing with the tapping fluid because it was water-soluble and it was made for this kind of thing. And my friend Matt, you know, he was in that industry and said, hey, try this stuff out. See what you think. So I did have some tremendous success with it, but it was such a concentrate. I never could replicate the dilution because I just had – squirt some in there. So I thought, wait a minute, I need a paint-safe solvent, something that can hopefully get between that foam and any paint residue and help it resist attachment to the foam. So I thought, well, you know, 205's got a paint-safe solvent in it. I mean, that's what, you know, it's got all kinds of emollients, ingredients, oils, you know, who knows what. So I'll just use a little bit of that instead of the tapping fluid and voila, little bits at a time, I saw some success there. And I stuck with that, and that's how that came about. Okay, so let me just uh, let me just do a very quick recap and correct me if I'm wrong. So when when you're running, you know, when, let me back up even further. None of the things that you're saying is hard and fast in stone. This is just something that is sort of new. You uh, meaning the last couple of years or, or what have you that you've found success with? And then what we're talking about is finishing out the paint when there is an issue. I think. I don't know, eight out of 10 times when I'm, when I'm detailing a car, I don't really have an issue. Like I, you know, whatever compound I'm using works pretty good. Mm -hmm. And then whatever polish, it looks, looks great. Only, only thing that I sometimes need to do more often than not is either spend a little more time in one section or, or, or another, you know what I mean? If there's more scratches or you need to, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it's a time issue, but it's not like, it's not coming out. I just got to spend a little bit more time. So that's what happens to me 80% of the time. Now the rest of the time, let's, let's, let's call it, you know, the last 5%. Uh, you, you can't get those little squirrels out. So, what you're what you're you know sort of bringing to light here is 
you can use a foam in this in this example you, you can use a finishing pad with 205 right is that what you said the first one little example was to, 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 mm-hmm. to attempt you can use a uh rupes yellow i know that, that worked for me with uh 205 let me let me sorry 205 with water what are we calling that is, is there a name for that thing you got to come up with a name uh, you know i i thought of h205 My, a couple of friends have mentioned it a couple, you know, i think a guy last week actually posted the h205 method. All right, well there you go h205 <laughs> that gives something to yeah. hang your hat on uh, I mean, you know, whatever. It's now well, officially uh, coined H two O five, yeah, by Kevin Brown. <laughs> well, that's why he, he put it down on a on a message, and I thought of it a few times. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's an easy way to, to, you know, to reference it. But I'm I'm getting so many texts and emails and Facebook messages about this, and there's a lot of confusion. Guys are trying this, and they're saying, "Hey, I'll just mix. Well, I'll just dilute the two O five. Which, you know, initially you would think, well, why waste all the time water spritzing and I'll just dilute my tool from the get-go. But that's not the same thing. This is a procedure. You know, maybe it, maybe technically speaking, you're diluting 205 or, you know, you're adding 205 in water, so you're diluting 205, but it doesn't work that way. That's not what we're – we're not trying to make 205 more soupy or, uh, more, you know, less, less – or, or with more visco- less viscosity. It's not – that's not the goal. The goal is to protect the foam from letting anything stick to it. And now, if you're still using gobs of 205, it can hold and absorb and retain the debris. And we're not. And we're talking about, like you said, finishes that are pretty darn good. They just they have that haze look. They've got that grayish hue on a black car. They've they've got the white. They, they make reds look pinkish, mm-hmm. right? And we're trying to clear this away, and it's so fine, and it's. it's it makes you second guess that you know what you're doing sometimes. Like, wow, I thought I was pretty good yeah, until this. Yeah. Wow, what happened? That does, that, you know? does, that does get a hold of me sometimes too. Let me ask you this last question as we're wrapping up. Tell me the difference between you know, the, the, what we were just talking about in terms of the H2O5, H2O5, yeah, H2O5 versus when you just use a supplemental wetting agent when you're, when you're compounding. How, how, how can you make a correlation or – or a discorrelation. I don't even know if that's a word. Uh, example, so that people listening can go like, oh, "Okay, now I kind of see." I'm trying to. I'm trying to explain this concept from 15 different angles because it is. It is a little complicated. So can you? Can you? It is complicated. I agree with you. You know, we use a supplemental wetting agent, which can be my favorite is water, because there's nothing else added in there that can impact the polishing results, such as silicones or fill. You know, some kind like of a spray wax. You wouldn't use a spray wax. Right, and you know some of these uh, spray-on products have polymers and silicones. They're very, very slippery, so they actually affect the cut, especially if you're talking about super micro abrasives and very soft pads. Right, you, you start making this thing stuff slip around. Now things can't grip to the pad like they used to, and it, it changes everything. Plus, it hides. It hides what's actually happening. So water is a good base, and when we spray water onto a, pan- a panel while we're compounding it create you know it, it it allows a connection between the paint and everything stuck to that pad it basically creates a, a drag section and it drags the product back out of the pad and lets you reuse it again that's what we're using that for in this case we're starting with a pad with nothing in it there's nothing to drag out we're we're adding water with you know, droplets of 205 and, and, and really going after the, the emollients in the 205, the liquid stuff, to create a barrier between the foam 
you know, and anything that can attach to it. Totally different things. Yes, that's, that's a actually great concept. I mean, cause I'm, I'm trying to understand this too. So doing, when you're compounding, like a lot of times when I'm using a microfiber cutting pad, compounding, you're doing a spritz of water to basically blow out the pad. It, it, to pull it back to out. pull everything right. out and to kind of flush out, you know, uh, any debris that, or you know, to pull out the, pull out the compound. And, and by doing that, you get a little more legs, if you will, in, in terms of your compound. Yeah, there's a lot of benefits to it, you know, depending on how much water you use in the type of pad. I mean, as an example, with wool or microfiber, you use the right amount. And not only are you pulling out the debris and the abrasive that have attached to the strings, you know, the pad strings, whether they're wool or microfiber or whatever, but if you've got enough rotation speed and there's enough water present, the strings start to align with each other and lay tightly packed side by side, and they'll start leveling better. And they'll literally start taking, you know, peaks and valleys out and level to a higher degree. So there's, you know, there's there's ways to use water spritzing to increase leveling or to just increase the level of the amount of time that you can continue to compound, um, or to use less compound. I mean, flat out, if you're if you're able to reuse a compound two or three times that is stuck to the pad where you normally would have kept applying product, your pad's going to stay lighter uh, and, and it's going to be able to be used longer before it needs to be cleaned. So there's a lot of benefits to it. Yeah, that that, that uh, analogy or you know that example that you gave, th- that part really kind of solidified it for me because I just yeah. I could I'm trying to think about what people might say and and what confusion areas. And supplemental wetting agents versus this, uh, having you explain that I think is is very helpful. Uh, and one other thing, can I, if you don't no, mind, uh, a, lot of, a lot of, you know, occasionally when somebody reads about this procedure, they have a concern of the quote breakdown unquote of the abrasives. Like, hey, well, there's just not a t- enough time for that to break down, and so I'm concerned I'm going to have scouring. Well, you know, the the mindset needs to change. Uh, First of all, you're polishing automotive paint, and the compound or the, the the abrasive in your polish is aluminum oxide. You know, one of the hardest materials known to man or created you know by man. So, the chance that a compound or polish that was designed by you know very very reputable companies and people to polish paint away, you know, in in making a better smoother surface, the chance that that won't work is really slim. Secondly, if you're only going to do one pass or two passes, there's not a lot of quote breakdown time anyway. So, so the, the the idea behind breaking down, I think, has come from back when we use a lot of diminishing abrasives, where you, if you want a good visual, and you had a, a bunch of rocks and some mud, and you stuck it all together and made a big dirt clod. There's your there's your there's your abrasive grain, and if you threw it on the ground and busted it apart. That's when it diminished in size. And so the mindset is, well, I'm, I'm thinking on that, but on a much smaller scale using a diminishing abrasive polish. And there takes some time for that to roll around or be drug or enforced and crushed before that it's, it's pulverized to a small point that it can do a fine polishing job. Well, what if we just started with sand, you know, I mean, compared to rocks and then made a huge dirt cloud? What if we started with the tiniest, most refined sand? in that same idea and never did clump it together. We just threw it in and just took it in our hands and dropped it on the ground. It's already refined. It's already as small as it's going to get. And that's the thing is our abrasives today that are being used in our compounds and our polishes are so refined and and consistently sized that they're finer than 
the best polishes from five, six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. So you're starting highly refined already. And the more you use those, if there's a chance they're going to become diminished or changed in shape, that's not a good thing. And more than likely what happens is as you polish away, you're introducing remnants of paint residue into this lotion-like substance that's our polish, and it's clumping those together and reversing. It's like reverse engineering, like making bigger, more inconsistently sized um, you know, grains. So that's, that's what you don't want. So anybody that's got the mindset that, hey, that's never going to work because there's just no time to break the polish down properly, it's false. And, and further, you can look at the term breakdown as taking the whole emollient, the whole polishing system, the the liquid portions, the oils, the petroleums, and the abrasives, and busting that apart, the emollient breakdown. You know, we've done that already in the in, in the water if we're using that po- water polishing method. So, either way you look at breakdown in this case, when you're referring to this H two O five procedure, there's just no validity in the argument. You know, we've we've handled everything. We're we're going for the most extreme, finest. You know, difficult to finish out paint and we're trying to make it perfect. And part of this has come along because coatings. You know, you think about it, Larry. In the old days, and even if you're using just a wax or a, a glaze in a wax, those are designed to hide, temporarily hide, uh, you know, fine scratches and haziness, and that's fine. But when you start doing coatings and you you have to make it perfect before you apply, a, you know, a, a semi-permanent coating over the paint and you lock in haziness you got a big problem mm-hmm. same thing happens with uh, clear bras by the way i do a ton a ton of that and you know you can't just slap a clear bra on it it's same thing as a coating you, you basically put a piece of glass underneath something and you're gonna be looking at it for the rest of your life and driving nuts so yeah yeah that, that little yeah. refinement stage is is more important than going ah you know what we'll throw some wax on and it'll be fine it, it doesn't work anymore that, that's a great point yep all right, we're uh, we're rounding third here. We're uh, at about fifty-one minutes. Um, so, I just want to make sure everybody knows NXT. They can find it. Uh, is there any information on BuffDaddy.com? No, there's not. I, I haven't put anything on there. It's all been through word of mouth and the Facebook and the you know the Facebook detailing groups. You know, if there's some guys out there listening, and they're not on Facebook and not looking at uh, detailing groups such as Detailing for Dummies, which is open to the public. You can just go there and just sign right up, and you've got at your disposal 4,000-plus enthusiasts, beginner detailers, advanced detailers, world-class detailers at your disposal. You should be there learning from the best and, and asking questions with the beginners like yourself. So I, I definitely you know, recommend people go there. That's where the action is. And there's several other really high-caliber um, detailing you know, Facebook detailing groups that I'm involved with and you are too. And so anyway, my main form of supplying information about NXT is through Facebook and on my Facebook page. But of course, you can always email me, text message me, or call. And it's getting a little more difficult to get back to those right away. We're preaching to the choir over here, my friend. Well, before I knew Larry Casilla, I <laughs> now now that I've, I've got I've had such fantastic success thanks to you, um, it's been a blessing and a curse. Because like, wow, I'm sorry, it's been you know two or three days since I got back to you, because I, I sometimes I get con- either just forgetful or 
concerned that, hey, I'm on the West Coast and it's, you know, nine o'clock on the East Coast. I'm not going to call that guy now. And then it starts all over again. But anyway, uh, I'll do the best I can to get you the information. And, um, you know, it's easy to get. Just, uh, like I said, get a hold of me or get on Facebook and, and, and it's all right there. And I'll, I'll be the one to mention it because you never do. Uh, you uh, are a small business as well. And so, you know, uh, Rupes Polishers along with, you know, uh, cutting pads and fill in the blank here for me there, Kevin. Sand, sanding discs and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. What do you uh, BuffDaddy.com, you know, specializes primarily in automotive paint restoration. So sanding discs, interface pads and backing plates for machines, machines themselves. Meguiar's, Merca, and Rupes are my main lines. And um, we, we, we can service a lot of the needs that we do. And there's a lot of great guys that I, I count as customers that support me, and I thank you all for that. Absolutely. Well, go visit BuffDaddy.com for all those things. There's great articles and whatnot. Um, and obviously listen to, if this is your first podcast, we have 20-something other ones, and uh, Kevin and Jason are on at least, I, I don't know, I'd probably say half of them, if, if not if not more at this point. Um, and then of course, for me, I'm AmmoNYC.com. Come visit me there. Lots of videos. We are working on some cool stuff for the Drive channel that's not quite out yet, but uh, we're working on uh, a few different kind of productions, which is pretty cool. I'll talk to you about that uh, later too, Kevin, that we're, we're filming, uh, uh, you know, how to be a track rat, which is kind of, uh, you know, my little weekend warrior thing where I go to the track and get all my frustrations of detailing out on, on, on the track. Um, so, yeah, we may have a, an appearance by Lee Keen, the uh, pro driver for Porsche. I just got off the phone with him too. That was kind of an exciting day. Um, yeah, so lots of lots of cool things going on. And uh, videos coming out this, uh, this I want to say, two, three weeks. I have a couple of different videos coming out. Now, I did a video, ironically, of the Singer Porsche. I'm not sure if you saw it. Um, but uh, I, I posted it up, and then I had to pull it down within, like, two hours or, I don't know, a couple hours. Because I mistakenly uh, caught a car in the background that was worth, like, multiple millions of dollars, and I didn't realize it was back there. Um, oh. And he's like, can you not do that? And I said, sure. So I'm, I'm re-editing it. So a lot of you have emailed me and said, where is that video? It'll be up at some point. I just got to, uh, you know, surgically remove that out of the, out of the picture. But <laughs> nonetheless, it was a pretty cool car. Uh, as always, guys, you know where to reach me, Larry at AmmoNYC.com. I want to thank my uh, sponsors, Jalopnik, of course, Total Oil. I use uh, Total Oil in the in the Porsche. Fantastic stuff. Bray Krause, uh, really good uh uh, you know, they make front straight strut bars and all kinds of things like that. McGuire's has always helped me out, uh, Detailer's Domain, and, of course, BuffDaddy.com. If you have any questions or concerns, you know where to reach both of us. As always, uh, my final thank you is to Kevin Brown for spending some time with us and explaining a wildly uh, helpful method and technique, but at the same time, it's still pretty complicated, and it's still kind of new, which is which is cool. You know what I mean? It's In terms of detailing, yeah. detailing's been around since, you know, you know, 1752 or you know whatever for hundreds of years or whatever but you know this 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 concept is 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 still in our lifetime uh so it's uh it's cool to talk about it and i'm sure there's gonna be a lot more to talk about because i think every day something's changing you know i'm sure your brain will come up with something in the middle of the night that's uh that'll change the game again so thank you we'll just we'll just apply it. well thanks for having me again and i look forward to the next the next podcast coming up soon all right as always uh we'll talk to you guys soon thanks for listening